You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. As a guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days in the field. This show is about translating my hard-won experiences into tips and tactics that'll get you closer to your ultimate goal, success in the field. I'm Remy Warren. This is Cutting the Distance. This podcast is presented by Yeti, built for the wild. Well, hello, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Cutting the Distance podcast. First off, I just have to say, Wow. Thank you guys so much for all the support, as well as so many awesome messages of tips and tactics that you've taken from this podcast and been successful this past season. I've just been flooded with success photos, as well as stories. Some of the ones that stick out are a few stories of guys hunting in burns. Uh, We had calling mule deer. Some people have been trying that tactic with some success getting some doubles this season. I've seen some of those photos roll in. I think some of the, I would say, the most successful podcasts that people have mentioned over and over is being paramount to their success this season. The Glassing, Finding Something Before Your Friend, Effective Glassing podcast. And then, surprising to me, the e-scouting one went over big. If you have not had a chance to listen to those, after this one, go back and check those out. I am really excited about today's podcast because today is our Christmas special. Now, I really love Christmas, and I want to make this episode of the podcast almost like a Christmas variety show of sorts. So there is going to be some exciting, fun things that we're going to do today. One thing that I love to do is throw a great Christmas party. That Christmas party involves the wild game that I've got throughout the season. So what I want to do is I want to give you guys some tips on how to just pull off that awesome Christmas wild game dish with something you got this year, 
as well as a few little tips here and there on just how to throw a great Christmas party. One thing that I've been asked a ton about, I would say the number one request, because I've asked, hey, shoot me some ideas. People want to talk about gear. So I'm like, man, this is a good time to maybe throw out a few of my favorite things that I've tried this year. Maybe a couple little things that you might not have thought of as far as gear goes, give you a little bit of eh, some gear stuff. And what I really want to do this week is I want to give back to you guys who have listened in. So I'm going to be doing during this podcast some pretty cool giveaways. I've got a few different items. Now, I only have a couple items. We're going to have to vie for those items. There'll be a little bit of competition of sorts. But somebody will go home this Christmas with some pretty sweet gear. But before we do all that, I want to tell you one of my favorite Christmas stories. Now, this Christmas story could probably be one of those Hallmark movies. Now, if you don't like those Hallmark movies, you will still like this Christmas story because it involves a great hunter who is near and dear to me, my grandpa. Today, we're going to go back in time. We're going to go back to the Christmas of 1983. Now, before I get into the story, I kind of have to lay some groundwork. I want to get you to understand my grandpa a little bit. Now, his name was Smut. He actually got his name growing up on a reservation. He would work in the wheat fields as a kid, and he would always come back covered in this white top wheat. It was called Smut. So they would always call him Smutty because he was always covered in this white wheat from working in the fields. So the name kind of stuck. He liked that name more than his given name, and he became known as Smut. Now, he led an extremely wild life. He was a professional fighter, boxer, as well as, at one point, Marilyn Monroe's bodyguard when he was serving in the Army. And then he also was a guide and outfitter in some of the same areas that I guide and outfit today. His name was Smut, but he always used to say that the acronym was for small, mean, ugly, and tough. He was just a wild guy, but he also had a soft spot for people in need. There's countless stories of him just helping people out. And I think that one of the coolest stories about him comes around Christmas time, because I can't think about Christmas without thinking about my grandpa. So it's the winter of 1983. Now, I haven't even been born yet, but I know that this winter goes down in infamy as one of the coldest on record. Lots of blizzards in lots of places. My grandpa had guided in the Selway and in the Bitterroot Valley for quite a while, and that year he decided to move up to Montana and start his own outfitting business there. So this was really his first winter in the valley. It was Christmas Day. And a big storm had moved in. Snow and blizzards. While he was hunting up there, he realized that a lot of the places he went, he would drive past these houses off of dirt roads, very far removed. And a lot of them were in pretty poor condition. One day when he was out coming back from a hunt, he had noticed some kids playing out front. He just kind of wondered, you know, what Christmas was like for them. They lived in a pretty poor rural area and probably didn't have much. So he decided he was going to go visit some of these houses and drop off some gifts on Christmas Day. 
The trouble was, the remote area and all the snow, the roads were nearly undrivable. So he decided he's still going to bring some food and gifts to these places, whether he could get in there by vehicle or not. He was trying to think of ways to get in there, and he just thought, ah, I might as well just load up my mule and, and pack the stuff in. So he went and started filling his saddlebags with a bunch of gifts he'd bought, some turkeys, some elk meat, a little bit of everything, a full Christmas dinner, lots of toys and some other things. And he was just going to go drop them off to the people that he'd met since he'd been up there guiding. Well, then he got the wild idea. He's like, if I'm going to drop off presents, I might as well just dress like Santa Claus. So he has a Santa suit that he pulls out and he's got the whole garb going, the the red pants, the red coat, the beard. He's, this is perfect. But he thought that he was kind of missing something. Santa needs a reindeer. So he took this set of 4x4 mule deer antlers that he got earlier that season into his shed and he just started working on it, attaching it to the halter for his mule. So he actually had this small burrow and he thought, oh, that'll be perfect. I'll take the burrow with me. It was a wild burrow that he'd adopted in Nevada when they do their roundups. They'll go and get these wild horses or wild mustangs and then burrows as well. And then they'll sell them off or you can adopt them. So he, he had this little burrow and he decides to put these antlers on the halter. He puts it on the burrow and now the burrow's got a set of antlers. He got some uh, Christmas balls that he put on and, and stitched some bells up to the halter and to the saddlebags. And then he grabbed some, I don't even know what it was, probably makeup or paint and painted the nose of his burrow red. Well, his burrow happened to be called Rudy. So now he has a rain mule. So he's got his Santa outfit. He's got his saddlebags packed with food and presents, his Santa suit, and he heads off into the blizzard to go deliver Christmas gifts. Because he couldn't get his truck into the area, he had to walk in, leading his mule up through the snow and blizzard to these houses pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Knocking on the door Christmas Day, he delivered gifts and dinner as Santa Claus with his rain mule in tow. Now, I'm sure that the people that experienced that had never seen anything like it, but it was a pretty magical moment for him because every Christmas after that, he dressed up his rain mule and he acted as Santa Claus, delivering gifts and food to people all throughout the area. Later on in his life, he actually, you'd probably see him walking down the highway with his rain mule from Thanksgiving till Christmas Day, waving at people, handing out candy canes, doing everything that is in Santa Claus's job description. He ended up also getting a cabin donated to him where they built a Santa shop where kids from rural communities could come in, pick out a toy, tell Santa what they wanted, and get their picture taken with the famous rain mule. He also started a foundation where they would take care of the needs of kids in the school system that needed jackets and shoes throughout the year. Now, my grandpa took that rain mule everywhere, including into the hospital, into buildings that probably mules weren't allowed to go into buildings um, or burrows. And I remember a lot of Christmases, me and my brothers would dress up like elves, follow him around, passing out gifts to people, especially people in need. Now, 
for me, it's hard to think about Christmas without thinking about that story of him loading up, dressing up his burrow, and heading in to deliver gifts to people who needed them the most. Now, if you ask me, why do I love Christmas? Well, it's because technically I'm related to Santa Claus. The holidays is just a time for sharing, especially because it's the time that we gather with our friends and family. And it's generally right after we've just filled our freezer, have we been successful this season. So what I want to do is I'm just going to go over a few of my favorite ways that I butcher and some of my favorite cuts. I'll go over maybe say three of my favorite cuts and then some things you can do with them. And then we'll get into a little bit of the gear stuff and do a sweet giveaway, if that sounds good with everyone. So the first part, some of my favorite ways to butcher. My style of cooking kind of really translates into the way that I like to butcher. And the way that I like to butcher is easy. I like to make it easy on myself, and I generally cut up into larger pieces. I prefer to cook larger cuts. One, because it's easier to cut that way. I don't have to cut out individual steaks. I can just package it and... It's a lot faster, a lot faster process. So I would say, let's go with my first favorite cut, especially during the holiday season. When you think about the holidays or whatever, or sharing wild game with people, a lot of people, it's weird, but are kind of on the fence of, oh, is wild game good? As soon as they've had a good wild game meal, then they're on the side of hunting and they're on the side of you going hunting. So if you're cooking a great meal for, say, your wife or family, if you constantly cook game meat terrible, when you take that time away to go hunting, they're kind of like, well, let's do something else. Now, if you can come home and you can cook an amazing meal that everybody in the house loves, they're going to encourage you to go hunting more often. So these are really tips to get you out in the field more. And it boils down to not overcooking what you bring back and preparing it in a way that is familiar and tasty to everybody in the house. That goes when you share it, say you bring a dish to a holiday party. If you bring something that's terrible to a group of people that don't hunt, they're going to be like, why do you do this? This is not this is not cool. But if you bring something that everybody loves, you're going to be like, yeah, I get hunting. I would, I would hunt myself. This is awesome. So we'll go with uh, a couple go-tos that are really easy to do that you really can't mess up. One way that I like to butcher the front shoulders is I leave the blade in the front shoulder and cut the shoulder off at the, I would say, if you're going from the foot up, the second joint up. So it actually cuts across smooth. So it's just below the blade. So the blade has all the shoulder meat and everything on it. Now, of course, if you're going to do a lot of burger, you would cut this off and make a burger. But I like to slow cook this because it has a lot of connective tissue, which holds the moisture in during the slow cooking process. So this is a really good cut for easy things and say a crock pot or a slow cooker, even an Instapot. You can do stuff like braise it or brown it and then make shredded taco meat, burrito meat, great on nachos. You can also do things like a pulled pork style with that front shoulder. Game meat tends to dry out when you slow cook a lot of cuts, but that cut with the bone in tends to stay moist. It's never gamey. 
and it's pretty much foolproof. You can look up a thousand different recipes on slow cooked any kind of meat. You know, you could do a barbecue beef style. You could do, I like to do a lot of Mexican food style. And then that meat can go into anything you want. A lot of times I'll season it with taco meat, brown it, and then I'll put it in empanadas. I'll put it in taquitos. That's a, who doesn't love a taquito? Um, put it in tamales. You can put it in just tacos. You can bring it with nachos. Like it's a, it's a really versatile, super easy to do. The next cut, I love larger steaks or like whole steak cuts. So the back straps, when I butcher my deer, elk, anything, I always leave the back straps, let's say six to eight inches long as one, almost like a roast. So I cut the back straps into thirds instead of staking it out. Then I cook those steaks whole and slice them after cooking. It's an easy way to do it. It cuts down on the butcher time and you tend to overcook them less, in my opinion. It just comes out really well. There's a lot of other things you can do. What me and my wife have been doing a lot is just cutting four inch steaks out of the back strap or three inch steaks out of the back strap and making like bacon wrapped filet mignon style steaks, throwing those on the grill. That's just very familiar that people see, oh yeah, bacon wrap filet mignon, yet it's made with wild game meat. The key is just don't overcook it. I use a meat thermometer all the time. It's the best way to just make sure. I go to 125 degrees, pull it off the grill, solid. It's perfect. It's done just right. Now, my third favorite cut is what I like to call the oddities. It's just the weird stuff that people kind of disregard because you can generally make it into something that's really good and surprises a lot of people. That includes the tongue, the shanks, the heart. If you can find people brave enough, those are sometimes the most surprising cuts of game meat that I've found. Shanks especially because they, once again, you can slow cook them and they retain a lot of moisture. They have a lot of collagen in them. They're really good for things like osabuco or any lamb shank recipe works great. Tongue in Nevada where I grew up, Basque restaurants are really big. Now the Basque are a type of people from the Pyrenees. They came over to this region as shepherds and they have very rich culture here, but they cook a lot of things like oxtails, tongue, stuff like that. They make a great tongue stew, and that's something that I've kind of translated into wild game meat. I make that every year around Christmas time. And then, you know, saving the heart or something else, finding some kind of recipe, like I'll do a Philly cheesesteak with the heart, something that looks familiar, but you're like, yeah, that's deer heart. It's a little bit different, so it's interesting, but it's still very familiar. This was just a crowd pleaser last year. Doing wild game corn dogs. I don't know why I never thought of that before. Last year, I had some Polish sausages that I made up and then just decided last minute to just make them into corn dogs. It was such a hit last year that I did jalapeno cheese corn dogs this year is going to be on there. And then just some random stuff like whitetail ribs. I do like a um, Thai chili whitetail rib. Those are pretty cool. Those are pretty good. And then just kind of experiment with some of the different stuff. We do elk tongue poutine, which is like elk tongue and gravy with cheese curds over fries. It's super Canadian, but it's phenomenal. And for all those Canadian listeners, they are just fist pumping right now because now that just spurred some holiday cheer across Canada. Because once you try that, man, that's one of the best ways you can have wild game. I'll tell you right, right now. That's probably one of my favorite things. But yeah, just try something new. Try something fun. 
And make sure it's good before you serve it to a lot of people. You might have to do a little taste test. If it's bad, put it in the freezer and eat it after your guests leave. But it's cool to be able to share that, to share those experiences. You know, we get to go out and go on these hunts, but it's also fun to bring it home, to share it with our friends and family, because that's all part of the hunting experience. It's a shared experience in a lot of ways. They might not be on the hunt with you, but to bring it back to something like a holiday party or to cook for your friends and family, that's what it means to me to be a hunter. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Now we definitely have to save some time to talk about gear especially because, I mean, it's like holidays, people are getting new stuff, asking for gifts, buying each other gifts, buying themselves gifts. So I figured, you know what? I've got so many questions about gear, different pieces of gear items. I might as well just throw in a little bit of gear stuff to this mishmash holiday episode of Cutting the Distance. Let's do it. So before I get going down the rabbit trail of just gear, because I can talk gear for hours. And I think a lot of hunters, especially Western hunters, we love to talk gear because there's so much gear out there and it's so integral to what we do. We talk optics, packs, boots, clothing, even just down to water bottle choice, bladder, bottle. Like there's so many different options. So before I even get into the gear, you know, I think it's fair to say I am sponsored by a lot of different outdoor companies. Now, nobody's paying me to put any of this, like talk about any of this stuff. I'm only talking about gear because you guys have asked for it. 
So what I want to do is I just I just want to lay that out and say, yes, I am sponsored by a lot of companies. However, what that does give me is I might not have experience with every piece of gear out there, although I do have a lot of experience with other gear as well. But within the companies that I do work with, I've tried almost everything within their product lines or at least sampled it or something like that. So I have had a lot of gear in my hands and been able to test a lot of stuff. So the stuff that I recommend or talk about is only because I truly like it. There's no other reason. I'm not just trying to sell some stuff because like I hate that myself when somebody's clearly like he's sponsored by it and he's just talking about it. So there will be none of that in this. And a lot of these things is are not from any kind of sponsor either, but I just wanted to throw that out there and be in full disclosure. So we'll call it favorite pieces of gear in 2019. And a lot of these were new. First, at the top of my list, one of my favorite pieces of gear would be the Vortex 10x50 UHD Razor Binoculars. Now, first piece of gear, probably at the top of my list, I would say oh, it's between a couple different things, but the 10 by 50 UHD Vortex binoculars, I really liked. They're a little bit heavier than the other razors, but I definitely could tell a difference in clarity on them. I was really impressed the first time I used them, and I pretty much used them all season through. I actually got to test a pair of them early on and then used them pretty much on every hunt this year. Really love that pair of binoculars. You know, if we go to Bose, I think, you know, if you follow some of my social media stuff, you probably noticed that I shoot a prime bow. Now, I decided this year I really loved my Synergy bow. So that bow is like a couple years old. But for me, if I get a bow that I'm comfortable with and just absolutely love it, like there's been two bows in my life that have stood out like that. That Synergy bow is that bow for me. Just like for some reason, I'm very confident with it. I shoot it well. Everything that I shoot at is shot good. Like I've just had a lot of good luck with it from a doll sheep in Alaska to just, I just so many good hunts for the rest of my life. I will keep that bow on my wall. Now I did just get a prime black five. I have yet to hunt. Like I haven't actually hunted with it much However, just from preliminary shooting it, I'm super excited about it. It shoots really well. I'm telling you that because I am really excited about it. So I think that that bow will replace my Synergy for this year, just based on how comfortable I am with it already. The Stone Glacier Skyscraper two-person tent, a lot of people asking about tents. That tent is the best tent I've ever owned. My top two favorite tents would be, that's my top favorite tent. And then I I like the Hillenburg tents as well. But I like the skyscraper because it's got the headroom. I don't know. There's just something about it. It's got a lot of room in it. It feels really roomy, but it's so light. And I've taken it to Alaska, to New Zealand, Southern Alps on a tar hunt. Man, that thing, it was just really bad weather on our tar hunt. Really wet. Everybody else was kind of wet and cramped in their tents. I was pretty much the king of the mountain that week. That's just what sold me on that tent. It snowed, it rained, I was dry, I had room. That tent, I can never say enough good things about that tent. Took it on a mountain goat hunt. I took it to Kyrgyzstan recently. It's just a great mountain tent. It's four-season style, but weighs way less than any other four-season tent I had. The one I had previously was like a Cabela's four-season tent, the backpack one. That's okay, but the skyscraper has the two vestibules. So even with two people, like me and my brother were in it fine. We had our packs inside on our goat hunt. 
that tent's awesome. Another just like a little piece of gear that I switched up to this year. It might seem simple. I, I always carry a Nalgene bottle. I don't use the bladder because I think that I've had problems with the bladder, the water bladders in the past popping. I've had, you know, the hose freezes. They just, they just aren't reliable. They're harder to fill up with water, especially if it's like a small seep. So I always use the Nalgene bottle. I decided to go with like the one and a half liter bottle this year. My brother carries that bigger water bottle, carrying a little bit more water. It's a little more weight, but I like having that larger bottle now. So that's just kind of a piece of gear that I switched up. You know, when you have a, a, a certain kit for so long, like you just get used to it and just switching something like from a one liter water bottle to a liter and a half, like it makes a difference for me. Another thing that I started carrying this year, SteriPen. You know, it depends where I'm at. I don't really filter my water a lot, but there are places where I do need to filter water way better than the pump. Actually, the meat eater crew turned me on to them on that a Fognac elk hunt. Everybody had the SteriPens, and I was just kind of like, oh, let me borrow that. And then I immediately went home and bought one because they were pretty awesome. So that's a cool piece of gear. If you're looking for water filtration, I, I recommend that. The one I got does the larger bottles too. So there's a couple different ones. And then boots. Oh man, people ask about boots all the time. I've worn a lot of different boots. You know, I think there's a lot of different boots for different applications. Like you've got your mountain boot, you know, your Kenetrex or whatever. You're just like stiff mountain boots, um, Scarpas, stuff like that. You've got lighter boots for earlier season hunts. I like to wear a light pair of boots if I can. This year, I just tried the Schnee's Beartooth 2s. Honestly, love that boot. I was breaking in a different pair of boots, and they just were tearing my feet up. And I know I had that podcast about foot care and breaking in your feet. Like, the boots I tried before, these ones were just breaking my feet in. And uh, I wore those Beartooths. I actually just was like, okay, I got to wear something different. Put those on, on an elk hunt. I think the first day I went like eight miles and just no problems. I was like, wow, these are pretty much already broken. And they've got a little bit more flexible sole than a lot of other solid mountain boots. But I took those boots on goat hunting. I took them to Kyrgyzstan. I've taken them a lot of places. Like I guided all year in them. And they've just held up. Like that's probably one of my favorite boots I've ever worn. And this is the first year I've worn them. So they're going to last into next season, which for me, even a really good pair of boots doesn't last a year. So I was really impressed with those. They get major props on that this year. The Spot Hog Sight, the Fast Eddie XL, that's what I've been shooting on my bow. I've never been a single pin guy until I got that sight. I've got the one with the two pointers on it. So it's really a double pin sight, but it's a slider sight. The XL version has like a rail where you can kick it out a little bit further, but I also like it because when I travel, I can unscrew it, pull the sight off, and then it's not getting smashed in my case. And then I can just slide it back on and it's always been on. I haven't had any problems with it. I've used it for about two years now, but I was kind of thinking, okay, should I try a different sight? And I just like it too much. So I'm going to just keep using that next year as well. And then maybe some like gift ideas, just some random stuff that I kind of come across this year and thought, nah, that's pretty cool. Recently, saw just like plasma lighter. I haven't really used them a lot in the field. I got one that's like rechargeable. Don't even know the brand. You could probably buy them at like most gas stations. But I was like, that's, that's actually a pretty cool piece of kit because it seems pretty durable, windproof. 
starts fires really well. I think that's a pretty cool invention. Those plasma lighters, those are pretty neat. And you can like recharge them if you need to. Also, every hunter needs paracord at least once a year. I like that paracord. I hope the company's still around. Somebody gave me for Christmas last year this stuff called rapid rope, and it's almost like mule tape, like 1,200 pound mule tape in this little jar with a self cutter thing. I just burnt through it. That's pretty cool. I'm actually going to buy some people that this year because I, I found that super handy. I hope that company's still around. No clue. But that was pretty cool. It was rapid. Yeah, rapid rope is what it was called. Some other good gift ideas if you're an elk hunter. Elk ivories, you know, make them into something for someone. That's probably what my wife's getting for Christmas. And then I'm big on homemade stuff. One cool homemade gift that I like to make shed antler cribbage boards. I make a lot of them. I need to make myself one. If you don't know how to play cribbage, you owe it to yourself to learn. It's a fun game. It's a great game in the wintertime hanging out and you can, it's a game that you can play on a shed antler. So that's good in itself. Another thing that I would definitely recommend for the gift guide, the solo hunter rifle cover. I make no money off of those things. That's all Tim, but I definitely promote it because I use it constantly. I think it's probably one of the best things out there as far as just a great idea. And I feel like it's something everybody should have, you know, that's a good gift idea too, because it's not super expensive and it's life changing once you have one, you know, I really like down sleeping bags. That's just my personal preference because they're so much lighter. I understand the idea. Like if they got wet, they wouldn't be warm anymore, but I've never had that happen. And I, I kind of have like a waterproof stuff sack. I take really good care of my sleeping bag and just make sure that in the off season, it's not stuffed into a stuff sack. It's let out to air and that keeps the loft and the warmth of the down bag, but it's just so much lighter than a synthetic bag. So the down sleeping bags are my choice. And I think that that kind of concludes what I would consider my gift guide and a little bit of just tackling gear. I'm sure after this, people will be like, okay, what about this? What about that? What about that? You can email those questions in or hit me up on social media. Now, before we go, I think this podcast might've even been a little bit longer than some of the others, but we talked about a lot of stuff. Just threw out some of my ideas on meat and cooking, butchering, touched a little bit about gear. And I know I'm going to get a ton more questions on that. And then hopefully an inspiring holiday story that will kind of get you to think about others this time of year. On that same note, I did round up a couple items that I want to give away. However, I don't know how to give them away through a podcast. So it's going to be in conjunction with my at Remy Warren Instagram. Now at my Christmas parties, a lot of times it's fun for me to give gifts it's way more fun to have people win gifts. We do a lot of crazy things like here's a gift and then two people compete rock, paper, scissors for it. So under that same vein is how I want to do this giveaway. So here's what I'm thinking. So Yeti is a title sponsor of this podcast and they've agreed to give away one of their new V-series cooler. It's the vacuum chamber stainless cooler. And we're going to give one of those away. They're really awesome. I have only talked to people that have them. I have not had one yet. You will get one before I even get one. So I'm really excited to be able to give one of those away. And here's what we're going to do. 
if it has to be in conjunction with Instagram, I really want to reward the people that are listening to this podcast. So we kind of got to do it sneaky like. I don't want it to just be like some thing where people can see it and then copy what people are doing and then win it without listening to the podcast. So here's what we're going to do. To win the Yeti cooler, you got to go on to my Instagram and then just find any picture that has a Yeti product in it. So a mug, a cooler, a hat, whatever, something Yeti in it. That's going to weed some people out because what I want is I want it to be just kind of a pain in the ass enough where it's not 10,000 people trying to vie for one product. It's just going to be the people that are listening that want to take the time to do it. I think those people should be rewarded. It's a little bit of work, so it'll be more fun and more chance of winning for the people that actually do it. So you can go to my Instagram, at Remy Warren, scroll through any old photos that have a Yeti product, and then leave a comment. It'd be easier for me if you leave a comment about the podcast. You don't have to say anything about winning anything. Just leave a comment. It could be about the podcast. It could be kind of incognito. It doesn't really matter because I'll look at the date on it as well. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through, I'm going to choose two posts, and then I'm going to choose one person from each of those posts. And then those two people, I will message them. They will have to send in either rock, paper, or scissors. And the winner of that will get the cooler. The runner-up will probably get something cool as well, but not as cool as the cooler, like probably a mug or something like that. So... That's how we're going to do that. The second thing is I've got a pair of Vortex Viper binoculars. And I think we'll just do like a photo contest of sorts. The theme will be looking ahead. How's that sound? I'm making this up on the fly. But it's going to be looking ahead. So here's what you got to do for that. Post a picture on your Instagram with the hashtag cutting the distance and then tag me in the picture. So on the photo, click on it, tag at Remy Warren, because that way I can find it two ways. I can search the hashtag cutting the distance, and then I can also see that you've tagged it so I know that it's not somebody that just was tagging cutting the distance for some random reason, because I want it to be somebody that's listening to the podcast and jumping through these hoops that wins it. So that's what we've got going on. If you want to do those things, awesome. If it sounds like a pain in the butt, it's better for the people that do it because I want to keep the odds a little bit better. So until next week, Merry Christmas. I appreciate you guys for listening. And in closing, I'm pretty sure you cannot shoot flying reindeer under a migratory bird stamp. That is not legal. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. 
It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle.